Okay, so I'm going to start because it's about to be like 11.15. So if people want to come, they can come. If people don't come, it's fine, guys. So I have my speech written, kind of, and I didn't practice it till yesterday. So I'm going to be honest that I am nervous, obviously. So I'm going to try to make this more interactive and more fun for all of us so it doesn't feel like, you know, someone's just standing up here yelling at you guys because that's so weird, right? So this topic, if you didn't know already, it's on Islam, mental health, and culture. And this is a very, like, surface-level discussion about this. There's a lot of things that we can say, since we all do come from different cultures and different places. But I am going to talk about, like, a little bit of a universal experience, right? So let's start off with a little bit of an interactive moment. You don't have to do this. But I think depression and extreme sadness, anxiety, fear, all those emotions, who has felt them? Just raise your hand if you feel like you have. Exactly. Like, that's what I expected. Everyone has. And these are universal emotions. You're going to feel them no matter what, right? So as they start to become more present, and whether they come from the dunya or your cultural or parental expectations, from heartbreak, whatever it might be, you know, we start to question where can I find the cure and what can I do to feel cured? So like all human beings do, we tend to start to seek in different things. We seek in our careers and we start to think that the more successful I become, the more validated I will feel, the better degree I get, the better thing I do, I will feel better. What happens is as time goes on, you end up realizing that your career, your job, anything will not even encompass an inch of you when you die, really, except the money that you use to give in sadaqah or the good things that you do. Other than that, the doctor degree, it is not coming with you, right? Unfortunately. So end up, we go through, you know, monies. Then we start to, we start to think that the more money I have, the more, you know, retail therapy I do, whatever, 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 I'm going to feel better, right? And us girls do retail therapy a lot. A lot. And when you have everything, but you still end up feeling like you have nothing, you've bought everything, you have the nicest cars, you end up feeling still empty. And sometimes this is even more frustrating because now you have everything. And now you're like, dang, I really am the issue. What is my issue? I really am the issue. And so a comparative, um, I guess you could say kind of like an analogy to that, it's kind of like a very, very beautiful box. It's beautifully wrapped on the inside, but the inside, on the outside, but the inside is very empty. And that's kind of how we are. When we go to the dunya and we look at the dunya to give us these beautiful things and these beautiful cars and clothes and whatnot, beautiful on the outside, we're empty on the inside. So eventually, at one stage or another, when you're old enough, you think that if I just get married and I just find the one, everything's going to change. I'm going to find this man and he is going to fix all the trauma that I never focused on for the past 18 years, right? Because he's a magician. It's not true. And so what happens is, unfortunately, sometimes some girls, and I'm not attacking anyone here just generally, we start to change ourselves. Because we think that if I become a type of way, the one... Though this guy that's for me is going to find me and it's going to be happily ever after. The reality is the one that's written for you does not need an artificial version of you. And just like that, you need the real version of you. So the one is not going to come and rescue you, unfortunately. Not on this campus, at least, definitely. <laughs> so that's just the reality of that, right? So you just got to be the real you and wait for when that time comes. But eventually we see that the main three things that we all go through when they fail, we end up turning to the dean for support. And we ask Allah to help us and to help our mental health. And we start to go to the masjid. We start to, you know, meet with the different shifts and whatnot. We talk about our problems. We're saying that we're heartbroken. We're going through a hard time. What do we hear? That our emotions are fake. And it's because we have low iman, right? I think we've all heard that. Your emotions are fake. You have low iman. You don't wear hijab. You don't dress like this. You don't do that. That's why you have those issues. 
So culture tends to teach us that no matter where we go, that if you pray correctly and you have iman, you won't be depressed. The reality is that's not true. Of course, what you do spiritually has an impact on your spiritual self, on your emotional self, of course. But that doesn't mean that just because I pray, I'm never going to shed a tear again. That's not reality, right? And when culture tends to throw this narrative out there, it makes people like us feel even more frustrated because then you're like, man, something really wrong with me. If you know, no one's figuring me out. So another little interactive moment. Who in here believes in psychology, has studied psychology, knows about psychology? You like, you vibe with psychology. Just raise your hand if you, right, okay. Some people here are even getting degrees in psychology. One of our sisters on the board is getting a degree in psychology. So psychology, which comes from the Greek origins of the 19th century, 19th century, key term on that, study of the spirit and soul. What a lot of people won't tell you is if you believe in psychology, you should be believing in ilm al-nafs, which comes from the Arabic origins of the 8th century, which translates the exact same thing, study of spirit and soul. And we know back in the day, around the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, they used to have clinics where they used to do mind, body, and spiritual wellness. It wasn't just, you broke your leg, come in and see me. It was, are you not feeling okay? Are you sad at your heart? Is there an issue? Let's take care of it. We don't see that here at our masjids because mental health is seen as an issue. It's seen as, oh, you have, a, you have a really big problem, like you're sick in your head. But that's far from the case, right? So the common answer to psychology is obviously yes. A lot of us believe in it. We know of it. We agree with it, right? When we talk about our nafs and we talk about our soul and our spirit and learning more about our soul, in your opinion, you can just throw out anything. What do you think is the gateway to the soul? There's no right or wrong answer. This is subjective. So you can just throw anything out. Gateway to the soul. What do you think kind of helps you get more purification towards your soul? Kind of helps you feel more better about your soul. How do you feel like you purify it? Right? All of those things that you do, zikr, reading Quran, prayer, whatnot, all of that comes back on what? The state of your heart. And when your heart feels depressed... Your heart is obviously going through stuff. So we all see it root back. This leads a very important question of what's the state of your heart? And we don't want to answer this question. And we don't like to even think about this because it's a scary question. How am I supposed to sit here and say to myself, oh, yeah, I've been like depressed for the past three years and I have never looked at the state of my heart. You can't do that. But the reality is the state of your heart has a lot to do with your worship. If you are completely depressed, filled with anxiety, fear, you're praying, you're not going to have any focus. So it all comes back together. And it's very important to stop ignoring the state of your heart. That's the first thing I want to tell you. Because there's going to be a few things that I'm going to leave you off with. And the first one is to stop ignoring the state of your heart. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said in a beautiful hadith in Buhari, Observe the fast sometimes and also leave it at other times. Stand up for the prayer at night and also sleep at night. Your body has right over you, your eyes have a right over you, and your wife has a right over you. When we realize that our body has huck over us, our body has a right over us, we tend to realize that what culture tells you about, oh, your heart just doesn't exist and depression is just completely, you know, fake, you realize that this is not adding up. Because there's no way that the prophet, peace be upon him, is saying that our bodies have right over us and our bodies matter and whatnot, whatnot, and everyone's telling you your body has nothing in this. Go read the Quran. That's not how that works. Another very, very big proof right now that I'm going to put in front of you is through a dua that the Prophet, peace be upon him, made. So like I mentioned earlier, we say how, you know, people say that, you know, fears and emotions like that are not real. But a beautiful dua that the Prophet, peace be upon him, made at Ta'if says the following. 
O Allah, I complain to you of my weakness, my scarcity of resources, and the humiliation I've been subjected to by the people. O most merciful of those who are merciful, O Lord of the weak, and my Lord too. To whom have you entrusted me? To a distant person who receives me with hostility, or to an enemy to whom you have granted authority over my affair. So as long as you're not angry with me, I do not care. Your favor is a more expansive relief to me. I seek refuge in the light of your face, by which all darkness is dispelled, and every affair of this world and the next is set right. Lest your anger or your displeasure descends upon me, I desire your pleasure and satisfaction until you are pleased. There's no power and no might except by you. And this is a very beautiful dua, and like this dua always gets me my feels. Because when you look at what the Prophet says, he literally is complaining to Allah. And we think that we can't complain to Allah, and that's 100% wrong. There's a difference between complaining about Allah and complaining to Allah. When you complain to Allah, you tell Allah about what you're going through. And you tell Allah that, I'm, you know, I'm going through this. As we can see in the Dua of Ataif, I complain to you of my weakness, my scarcity of resource and humiliation. To the point that the Prophet even, even says, who have you subjected me to? So we can see that the fear and those emotions are real. And we can see that in the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him. The reality is a lot of the big reason why culture will not tell you this is real is because they themselves have not been able to come out of it. When you don't come out of something and you keep going on it and going on it, that forms generational trauma. And then you start to think, well, that's how all human beings are. Absolutely not. You know, when you're depressed, you think the entire world's depressed. And then when you get out of it, you're like, hold on, that's not that normal. You realize it's not that normal. The entire world is not that depressed as you think it might be. So we're told to tie our camel and trust in Allah and seeking help and aid is a part of that. And so when you heal yourself mentally and emotionally by actually seeking help and not thinking it has a stigma, you end up becoming better in your worship as well. If you're mentally absent, how are you going to be, how are you going to be able to be present in your prayer with, with hushu, with concentration? All that comes into line, right? Not to mention another important thing. When you continue to suffer with toxic people and toxic situations that deteriorate your mental health, and culture tells you, no, you got to stay there because that's showing sabr. That's not sabr. Allah does not need you to do that. That's oppression. That's oppression. That's cultural oppression under the name of religion. That's, you're not making a big religious sacrifice. You're hurting yourself. Your body has right over you, like we said earlier. You're dealing with toxic people, toxic situations, toxic marriage, abusive marriage, whatever. You don't need to stay. Culture tells you you need to stay because that's sabr and Allah, we proud of you. But Allah's also telling you your body, uh, in the Prophet, peace be upon him, the Hadith tells us that your body also has right over you. Divorce is something that in Islam, we try to make it seem like you, you're better off, you know, just dying than getting divorced. But we clearly have a chapter in the Quran about divorce, which tells us that it's not the way that culture tries to make it seem like, oh, it's the all and be all. It really isn't. Okay. I know it's, it's not something that you should do, but it is something that one needs to be done, it needs to be done. So you can't force yourself to say, well, I'm going to have sabr and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to deal with abuse. Allah doesn't need that from you. And when you realize your body has huck over you and you realize that your heart and the state of your heart matters a lot in this, it all plays in the role, right? So Islam values the importance of good mental health and emotional well-being and the Quran can be used as a guide to those suffering from emotional distress and aims to lead people to a meaningful quality of life. There's a beautiful, beautiful hadith for those who call mental health a disease, an illness in our culture, for those who go to the masjid and they, you know, face all that backlash, this beautiful hadith that I'd love to present that says, there is no disease that Allah has created except that he has also created his treatment, which puts forth that again, you are wrong when you say that as from a cultural standpoint of view, right? I've actually heard a khutbah before where a scholar was saying something among the lines of negative emotions and depression don't exist and grief and fear doesn't exist. But this ayah of the Quran completely throws that out the window and shows us that grief is real as Allah says in 940 of the Quran, 
do not grieve, Allah is with us. Which shows us that grief is clearly an emotion. Grief is not coming out of thin air, it's clearly an emotion. As Allah tells us to not fear, He's acknowledging the fact that these emotions are real. He's telling us to not grieve, He's acknowledging the fact that these emotions are real. So, while I can't teach you how to heal in a whole 30 minute halakha, because that is a journey for a lifetime, I can tell you the first step, and that is acceptance. And I know that sounds so cliche, but acceptance is really the, the point that turns everything. Because the longer you live in these lies of, oh, depression's not real, and I don't have any issue, and I'm not praying enough, it's not, it's not true. I've seen ends of my life where I was trying my best to study to become a hafiza, trying my best to study to become a bunch of different things, and I was depressed. And it was until I accepted the fact that I was depressed, and that I'm going through stuff, and I'm going to have to get down on myself, was when things changed. Healing doesn't come from other people. And the longer you go through the examples that we gave in the beginning of, you know, money and cars and men and career, you're going to search for even longer. And the bigger place where lots of people get stuck when it comes to acceptance and healing is in the stage of marriage. Because they think that, okay, well, I find this person and you can find someone amazing. Like even if you're depressed and you're like not completely full of yourself, you can find the man that Allah has written for you. But if you aren't okay with yourself, how are you going to be okay in the relationship, right? You know that cliche saying like, oh, you need to love yourself before anyone loves you. Yeah, I hated that. But it's true. You do. Because you will forever feel like you're not good enough, right? So the first step is accepting. Accepting also that people won't understand you. Lots of people are going to think that you're weird, that you are awkward, that you are just, you know, super stuck up. Because a lot of times when we're depressed, we don't want to talk to people. We feel sad. But... You're going to have to come to terms that people are not going to get you. And that's acceptance. But you also should accept what Allah says in the Quran in 2046 where he says, Allah said, fear not. Indeed, I'm with you both. I hear and I see. So even if the whole world leaves you and tells you that you're wrong and you're crazy, fear not and accept the fact that the Allah who knows your heart is always with us. I've heard this throughout the years and it really does a number on somebody that's yeah. experiencing this because it makes you feel less than you already feel bad about yourself and you feel depressed and then they tell you that and like there is no hope and um this is the kind of thing that we need to you know combat yeah, I think that's why it's important to look at it like from the scripture. Because again, if you tell someone, if you're praying, you won't be depressed and, and someone's still depressed. It starts to cause a very, very aggravated relationship between that person and Allah. And that is some dangerous ground you don't want to go to. Because lots of people turn towards atheism and whatnot. Allah doesn't listen to me. I pray and I'm still depressed. Now you got yourself screwed thinking that you were giving someone good advice by saying, yeah, this framework. Yeah, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Thank you for sharing. That was great. I hope your book goes good. Well, I hope so. It starts out with my experience, you know, Amazing. when I got sick. And when you when you do get when you do have a breakdown, say, and you don't you really don't know what's going on with you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you might not even be aware that you're doing something that's mm -hmm. not right or whatever. And it wasn't until after that I, people told me things that I did and I said, you know, and if you're, you know, active and function, high function, and all of a sudden you get knocked down, that's a, that's a heavy load to have to yeah. come back to gain your confidence again. And mm -hmm. so um, that's how I start out the book. And then I go about the history. You talk about the yeah. Latin Aristan, the first psychiatric hospitals, the Muslims were the ones 
to do that. You know, the Muslims have a, a strong history in mm -hmm. psychology, but most people don't even know that. Yeah. We, I feel like we're also kind of responsible for that because of what we teach at the masjids and whatnot about this whole culture thing that I talked about. We're kind of responsible for it. Um, I mean, if there's any other thoughts, y'all can feel free to share them. Um, this was definitely not going to last till one o'clock. I don't know what we were thinking about the flyer. <laughs> it's not going to last till one o'clock. Yeah. So like, like, like you mentioned earlier, like a lot of people like just assume that like, oh, you you don't have any money if you're depressed, even if you're praying or reading Quran all the time, but. We also have to remember that a lot of our prophets went through a lot of hardships and sadness and fighting, and like they also complained to Allah, not about Allah. And sorry, um, so but just by so when you're valuing someone's emotions, not only are you doing that to them, but also to the prophets who went through those exactly. hardships. So yes, you kind of insulting at the same time. So yeah. we should. We should like accept our feelings and explain it to Allah and ask Him for help. Yeah. That's the thing, like we give hutbahs on like, oh Prophet Musa and Islam and look what he went through and he was standing at the sea and the sea parted from his freeing fear. You're talking about it when it comes to the prophets. Or like when Yunus Islam, he was in the belly of a whale. You can't tell me someone was not scared. Like, come on. I get, Assalamu alaikum, feel free to come. Like, I get locked in a room and I'm scared. What do you mean he was in the belly of a whale? Of course, like, there was emotions that were there to be felt. And, yeah, that's terrifying. So if the Quran, when you go through it, there's so many stories of the prophets went through this and he went through this. You can't say it doesn't exist. Right. You can also get, um, you know, there's a called Prophet Muhammad's life when the Surah Duhar is... Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like a prime example of... Um, the future will be better for you than the past something among those lines yeah some people also face depression because of the past right but the thing is about your past it's like you can't get it back you can't change it it really is what it is like i feel like the past some people they wait because they want closure you're not gonna get closure and even if you do get closure from someone someone's like yo like i'm sorry for breaking your heart i'm sorry like who cares like whether they say sorry or not is that gonna fix my heart no so waiting for closure it's very very i don't want to say okay closure can help but in a way, I feel like you're kind of fooling yourself thinking that I get this closure and, you know, or like some women, they're like, okay, yeah, this man, he will come say sorry to me. He will realize he messed up. Who cares? I don't change the fact that he did what he did. So if it's, you know, like you, sorry doesn't fix everything. It really doesn't. Communication does, but also that at a certain time. So if it's like five years later, what do you want me to do that you're sorry now? Like, so don't sit here and wait and think that, oh, I need someone to come say sorry and then it's going to get better. You have to accept the fact that some people, they're going to hurt you. They don't care. They really don't care about whether they're sorry or not. And that, Allah will deal with that. So, yeah. You know, it's the same as normal emotions that people have, but there was no mention of the fact that they're neurotransmitters and yes. chemicals that also um, account for some mental illnesses. Exactly. It's a combination of, mm -hmm. of that. Um, yeah, it is a combination. In postnatal depression, yeah. it's not just you. It's not like you have blood on it. It's literally the hormones in your body. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, you're crazy. You got some blood No, it's definitely... It's definitely that. You came a little bit late. I finished. 